He's been a leader throughout the country for the past 12 years. Mr. Michael Bloomberg. Hello, I'm Mike Bloomberg. And I just wanted to come forward and say that I really, really respect President Barack Obama. I love attending a black AME church. And, you know, I engaged in a policy as mayor that I thought would be instrumental in decreasing gun violence, but actually turned out to be slightly intrusive. I guess that's a good word for it, slightly intrusive to members of the African-American and Latino-American communities. And as I was, you know, sitting back and contemplating next steps, next moves, uh, particularly the fact that I want to be president and I'm going to need those black and Latino votes, I realized that I was wrong about that policy. Uh, and what I'm talking about is stop and frisk. I know that uh, there's been a lot of discussion about the policy, which I thought at the time I was doing for a good reason, and I see now that I'm not. I didn't really want to answer questions about it in any sort of debate format, so I just kind of, you know, wrote a blank check to Tom Perez and the DNC and figured that I would uh, show up for this campaign uh, and, and show up for the debates in Nevada uh, so I could start winning and earning your vote I was wrong. What I really wish we could all do, particularly the Latino and African American demographics, I wish that we could just all extend our arms and embrace each other. And while we're embracing, just feel what you have in your pockets and, you know, just make sure that personal safety is important. I'm Mike Bloomberg, and I approve this message. What's going on, everybody? It's been a while, and I'm glad to be back with you. As always, this is the Brothers-in-Law Podcast. I am your boy, Jesse McCoy, and I am joined by the world's foremost leading legal humorist, Sean Carter. How are you doing? I'm doing much better than you, brother. I think for the last, what, 10 days, you had the coronavirus. Or no <laughs> 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 it was important. It had to be, you know, support. I don't know what kind of virus you had, but it was definitely bad. Oh, yeah, it, it was definitely bad. And apparently it's been going around like wildfire. I think I got it from my child and then we were trying to quarantine ourselves. So for those of you who haven't got it yet, um, I'm sorry, you probably got it tomorrow. But <laughs> you probably go get it from the podcast or just wear a mask. Yeah. And stuff. Yep. Absolutely. Now we're talking yeah. right now during while everybody else is is listening to the big big Democratic debate starring none other than our new man Mike Frisky Bloomberg. Boo! <laughs> Why are you booing uh, the 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 great uh, the great Frisk himself? Well, let, let's just kind of take it from the top with Bloomberg. I think first all right. of all, it is really a disservice to everybody who's been out here campaigning and working hard on the trail at this point <laughs> for what like three years uh, to prepare for this moment. 
the fact that somebody can just basically swipe a credit card or cut a check, <laughs> not have to do any of the work and just show up at the debate. Tom Perez, you should be ashamed of yourself. And, and, <laughs> exactly. And here's, by the way, this is where we're clear how this, how we got into the debate. There were two requirements to be in the Democratic debate. One, that you have to have poll a certain amount in, in like five regional major, major polls. Right. Bloomberg just hit that the day before the last debate. That's fine. However, the other requirement was that you also have a certain number of donors to your campaign. Mm-hmm. The thought is, hey, anybody might say that, hey, I vote for you, but people who are serious about your campaign will actually give you money. Right. Uh, he hit the, um, because he's been spending a million dollars a day on Facebook ads at the least. All right. He has hit the, uh, the uh, polling percentage, but his number of donors is one. <laughs> and I'm not rounding. It's actually one. All right. And nobody who's giving money to Bloomberg because he, you know, when you have, when you're the 12th richest person in the world, uh, you don't need my $38. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he bought his way into the debate literally right now. <laughs> and, and, and and you're right, the Democratic Party, at least for the debate, all right, is for sale. Now he hasn't just also been buying debates uh time, he's also been buying uh super delegates. Super delegates. So as this works, as most of you know, the Democratic Party doesn't trust uh us people to actually pick our own candidate. We we might act a fool. So what happens is, is that we have all these 50 state primaries and you get delegates. But those delegate votes count, but, but there's a super delegate that are party officials. It's usually elected officials, the mayor of so-and-so, all the congressmen, all the senators. Uh, obviously, Tom Perez is going to get a vote. Obama right. gets a vote. Clinton, right? All these you know, party insiders. And they keep about 16% of the votes themselves. So if it's a close one, they can flip it. Give a great example. In the last election, in, in the last primary, 2016, even if Bernie had gotten Hillary's votes and they had switched places and he had her votes lead on him, Hillary still would have won because the superdelegates were enough to flip it. Mm. So what they did this year is said, no, that's going to be wrong. So the first ballot, the superdelegates will sit out. And if somebody gets to 51%, they got the nomination. But with 48 people in the field, not likely to happen. So after the first vote, then everyone starts trading and, 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 and Elizabeth Warren's like, all right, I'll give you seven of my votes and you take three of mine, right? And he starts parsing out, you know, the delegates and the, the super delegates come in with their 16%, which is a big percentage in a 18 person race. Right. right. And so guess what? And it's almost brilliant. You almost have to, you, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, we're not going to live in a democracy anymore, you'd almost have to appreciate how, how brilliant it was. Bloomberg came in and he's like, you know, y'all been trying to get these votes and all that. Forget that. I'm going to superdelegates and been buying superdelegates. And what I mean by buying is he gave one candidate um, $10 million recently uh, for his run. Mm-hmm. Uh, who you think he going to endorse? Uh, right. He, he spent a hundred million dollars in the last election on various Democratic, you know, senators and congressmen. Who you think they going to endorse? Mm-mm-mm. And so he's got 16 percent in his pocket now. Whatever he gets from us and whatever is just is, is, is extra gravy. Just sad. Sad day for America, man. I just don't understand now, now, man, it's crazy, and the thing that bothers you, and I get it. We, you know, we we both agree on this 100. percent Is that it's not just buying this election, uh, 2020. That'd be bad enough, but you do understand that from now on, the Democratic Party, uh, 
they ain't going to be uh, letting you just get elected for free no more. Oh, absolutely. Uh, once you start paying people for stuff, uh, they don't give it to you for free no, anymore. Right? Absolutely. I know that as, as a public speaker. I run around and I used to speak for chicken lunches. <laughs> and, and I don't mean good chicken. It wasn't Popeyes or that, 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 that sandwich. You know, this was some churches. All right, this was bad chicken. I would go and speak at Rotary Club, Kiwanis, and and they would just let me speak for free. But I was just trying to get good at it, right? Right. And once somebody gave me money, when do you think the last time I've been back to a Rotary Club, uh, a Kiwanis? <laughs> The day after somebody stopped giving me money, it's the last time I did it, right? It's right. like, you're not going to go back and do that for free. So the next person who needs to run president, you can run president all you want, uh, but you need to come up with your $2 million check. And uh, I assume they're going to probably want cashier and uh, mm-hmm. and not take credit card. Mm-mm-mm. That's sad. And, so, and this is concerning to me because, one, I mean, we're, we're seeing before our eyes whatever Trump didn't destroy about democracy, uh, <laughs> Bloomberg is going to take a sledgehammer to. Uh, and then number two, I'm always concerned about what happens if Bloomberg is successful, right? Can you imagine a world where in November your ballot is Bloomberg versus Trump? So your choices are you can either have immigrant kids with aluminum foil blankets right. in cages, or you can have random black people getting stopped and frisked all over the nation. Well, let's uh, go back because we, we kind of skipped something there for people who've been in a cave. Okay. Uh, talk about the, you know, I call them frisky you, and, and why uh, the, the stop frisking is an issue. So while Bloomberg was the mayor in New York City, he had a policy called stop and frisk, which allowed the police department and law enforcement to randomly stop. Uh, quote unquote suspicious, i.e. black people. To stop and frisk under the concept that by stopping and frisking, they would be proactively, uh, reducing crime because who else are criminals on the planet except for blacks <laughs> and <Latinos? laughs> <laughs> and by the way, when we talk about numbers, let me be clear here. The, the, the biggest year in the stock and frisk program, and every year was at least 100,000, but the biggest year was about 600,000 stops in 365,000 days. It's almost 2,000 stops a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that's a lot. Even, even, even for black people, we, you know, I don't know about you, but you can't stop me more than six, seven times a week. You know, I start getting a little edgy myself. All right, I'm <laughs> amazed that this was, and you know, doing wrong. It wasn't like wasn't you know argued against. They went to court. Court held it unconstitutional. Bloomberg was like constitutional smoochinal, right? Mm-hmm. I, you, you, this is what we're doing. But he recently apologized. I want, I want to play the clip for you of him apologizing. Uh, Jesse, are, are you now forgiven that are you, are you have you forgiven him? Does the apology work for you? No, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, I think it's real easy one to apologize when you're getting ready to ask somebody for money or for a vote. <laughs> right. uh, and two, I think that the bigger problem for me is I look at your policies in practice to determine what you want to take on this bigger national level. So, I mean, I don't think that he's doing any favors. I don't think uh, that he's any less racist <laughs> now. If anything, I think he's more dangerous because he's smart enough to know how to navigate and he has the money and capital to overcome the obstacles and hurdles that would have taken everybody else out. 
I'm sure Michael Bennett is somewhere saying, I wish I had Bloomberg dollars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely, I love about the fact is that even the apology, now he did better than Trump, and at least he can admit that he possibly could be wrong, right? Because we know Trump would have been like, the stops were perfect, it was a beautiful stop, right? It would have been, you know, <laughs> Trump would have been, you know, talking about how you owe him a favor, right? For stopping all the black people. You know, we, we help, we, we help you, we stop you from getting hit by a car in the street. He would have been crazy. <laughs> but Bloomberg, Remember, the, he says, I, you know, maybe I was, he says, kind of like, it's possible I might have possibly, could have possibly been wrong about this. And now that I think about it, I realize that, you know, this was really unfair to black people. But then he says, I'm not apologizing for keeping you white people safe from these killing niggas. Because they right. were killing you. But so I'm apologizing that they said, but I, 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 I saved you because they were going to shoot you. You know how black people are. And, right. and, and even in the apology, there's, there's a, there's some, it's not even barely hidden, uh, but there's a little racism even in the apology because he's not apologizing totally. He's not saying, "Hey, I didn't keep you safe. I made it wrong." You know, which we did find out that you know, not only his thing is amazing. It's not only were they stopping hundreds of thousands of young black people, but they were getting like two thousand people you know, <laughs> caught with stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So for the most part, you know, how does the cop keep doing that? Well, you know, you pull a guy up, you're doing all this, you know, 90% chance he doesn't have anything. Right. And the stuff they caught him with, by the way, as you imagine, was nothing but, you know, a joint. Right. Because here's the thing about it is, if you search, right, a hundred random people, you're going to find seven, eight things of contraband. Right. Right, everybody, you know, you might find me with. Oh, by the way, I got uh, a prescription for my son's medicine. Right, right. I ain't brought home yet. Right, right. Uh, that's, right. That, 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 that's you know, you can have all kind of stuff. Right, just little stuff. So now you got brothers, you know, feeding that prisoner industrial pipeline. Because by the way, you got to pay for this overtime for these cops to be Absolutely. searching everybody. Right, and so you end up, you know, ruining a bunch of young kids' lives, or at least at the worst, you know, <laughs> making them harder than they already are. And, and, and so um, he's gonna have a hard time, but he he he's been polling pretty well with black people. Uh, they haven't been able to find out about that, but instead they've been hearing this commercial. You know what, Jesse? After hearing the commercial, I apologize, Bloomberg. I'm wrong. <laughs> he is best friend with Obama. So I, I nah, vote for him. Nah, nah. so I for him. He said he's best friends. So you gotta listen carefully. You didn't hear Obama. <laughs> Focus on the saying he approved this message. It didn't happen. These are just clips that Bloomberg is saying are using to try to act like Obama is somehow his best friend. They play golf on the weekends. Uh, are you telling me that Obama just didn't say he should be the next president? Obama didn't say that? No, 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 no. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the only reason he did those commercials was because he had just finished getting stopped and frisked. <laughs> was his way out. <laughs> yeah, they probably did catch him with a little weed. You know how Obama was back in the day. <laughs> no, and, and what he's doing is he's taking something here where Bloomberg, I think, had just given like, you know, $60 million, which, by the way, sounds like a lot of money, but that's a dollar. To anybody in the world. The man mm-hmm. is worth literally $64 billion. The man mm-hmm. is worth a, a thousand times that. So if you got a net worth of $100,000 and you don't, that is $1,000. That's, that's how much that is, right? I'm so sorry. In, I, that's nothing, right? So to put it in simple terms, uh-huh. uh, he's the person that Bernie Sanders is telling you about. <laughs> well, 
and, and here's what I love about it is, I, I guess a better way to think about it is that amount of money to Bloomberg basically represents the kind of the amount of money that's in the, your ashtray in your car, right? In your mm-hmm. change cup. He, he's not worried about it, but Obama was, was wanted to be grateful, whatever, you know, be, be gracious. So Obama said these nice things about him, right. but not to be president, right? Just thank you for your, you know, your chump change, right? Right. And Bloomberg's been running on that, and here's the thing that's been working. You get it, he's up like 20% among these black people, and I totally get it. And this is the thing that people, I think, you know, we're missing a lot on. It was the case with Biden, it's now the case with Bloomberg, is black people are not paying attention yet. Now, by the way, let's be clear, white people are not paying attention either. They did the New Hampshire primary, and it turns out that 50% of the people made their decision on the last three days. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, the, the New Hampshire primary started 18 months ago. The candidates made, I, I look at it, just under 1,000 visits, not each, but total, right? 100 for this person, 150 for that person, to New Hampshire. They visited New Hampshire a 1,000 times, and people didn't make up their mind until three days before. Now, I, black people, we ain't going to make up our mind until three days after the election. You know what? <laughs> Right, we ain't gonna be on time. So, so, so the fact that Bloomberg is doing well, yeah, here's why he's doing well. Because for six months, his people, been, these people, have been inundated with commercials right. about Obama being best friends, but they're not listening to the brother-in-law yet, right? They're not right. really paying attention. And by the way, most people, white and black, are not paying attention to the very end. So, yeah, when they ask him, "Who do you like?" I've been hearing about Obama been telling me about this guy. Right, the only, they were picking Biden before because the only name they recognized. Right, right, right. And, and that's the case with everybody. And so this idea that people have that you know these early polls matter or whatever. No, no, no. People don't make up their mind until you know until you have to, which kind of makes sense. You know, I think the rest of us kind of silly. I've been thinking about this for a year and a half. Change my mind yeah. every week. I mean, I, I I can see both sides of that equation, right? Because right. I also know there there are people in my state who I have the utmost respect for and i know personally that bloomberg has come through uh has used his uh company to inject funds into projects that they wanted to work on and all of a sudden they went from being upset about stopping frisk to hoping that they get frisked in a picture and photo <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah he's been buying a lot of people and, and by the way i don't i'm not mad at any of them Right. If if you are a mayor of a small Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and, and, and you know he comes in and says, "Hey, you know what? I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm gonna build a new high school here, do Bloomberg, you know, a technical academy." Mm-hmm. You need to sell that vote, all right? For for that that you need to help your people out. You're responsible for your people first and foremost. Hook them up. But this is what black people got to remember: the fact that Bloomberg, right, had invited you out to dinner, fed you, and gave you something, gave you drink, even Hennessy. Black people, we you know this. We don't just because you do nice stuff for us uh, don't necessarily mean we're gonna have your back when it counts. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've had lots of people at my house for Thanksgiving uh, and couldn't reach those brothers two weeks later. Mm. Uh, time to move, right? Uh, and we need to do that. All right. I, and by the way, I'm seven of those black people myself because I will come to your house, eat your food, drink your liquor, and get to the porch <laughs> and, start, and, start, and start talking about, start talking shit by about, about your house. All right. So. <laughs> That's what we need to do, black people. All right, be be ungrateful, hope, guess right, <laughs> take money, and then talk about it as on the way home. And and I want to say this too. I mean, even the apology that he did, this was an apology that he did at a black church in East New York. 
And the fact that everybody stood up and clapped just because after years and years and years of a repressive policy, right. he said, oh, I'm kind of sorry. Just the, <laughs> the fact that he can win you over with that. This is East New York. I expected our people to stand up, boo, or, or at least just turn your back or something. But, you know, people out there cheering, celebrating. It, it seems as if a lot of people who would have ordinarily voted for Biden, because it is the quote unquote safe pick until right. the Iowa and New Hampshire primaries. Right. Um, a lot of those people now are saying, oh, well, look at Bloomberg. He has money. He is the anti Trump. He has more money than Trump. He's going to be able to beat Trump. And I think the biggest tragedy out of this situation is, you know, I've, I'm uh, an, an Elizabeth Warren supporter. I've been very clear about that. I think a solid number two for me is Bernie Sanders. I think he tells, he says things that I feel. And I think what I'm really looking at is the way in which the DNC systematically destroys Bernie's chance, torpedoes Bernie Sanders' ability to win this nomination yet again, uh, because they're going to allow and cater to this rich guy. Again, the very people that Bernie Sanders is talking about when he's talking about the richest, wealthiest, 2% of the country own all the resources. Um, <laughs> and, and, and right, right. He's just going to buy the election and walk his way in. And on top of that, I think I, I have a concern about ballot in November that has as my options Bloomberg or Trump only because I look at Trump and I look at all the things that he's done and I say to myself, well, but at least he's stupid. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> It's different when it's somebody who's rich and racist and smart. Right. Oh, right. Um, so I, I am very concerned. Uh, hopefully we won't have to worry about that because uh, I've seen some updates of people who are watching the debate right okay. now. So apparently the candidates brought the smoke for Mike Bloomberg tonight. So uh, I'm looking forward to those highlights. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to hear what Elizabeth Warren said. Tonight is a tryout to see how each of us would attack an egomaniac billionaire. Like, oh man! <laughs> they act like this is seriously like this is audition, right? For for the debate with Trump, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be in his in his, in his stuff. And by the way, yeah. rightfully so. Think about it. they don't they, they spent. You realize they spent a year and a half in Iowa. Yes. All right, they're sleeping on people's couches, right? Sleeping in the bed with Meemaw, all that, right? And Bloomberg just come in like last day, like, oh no, I'm I'm here now. Right. Yeah, I'd be mad too. So yeah, go ahead and 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 get them. I think everything you said is absolutely you know correct. We we got a, we got a, we got a problem with the DNC. The bigger problem with the DNC is that they don't want Bernie to win because even if Bloomberg wasn't here, they'd be recruiting Will Smith. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Wayne Brady. Right, somebody be real powerful. You know, they, they would have somebody against Bernie because they do not want him to, to 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 win this nomination. And here's the thing, like you said, you screw Bernie up the nomination a second time, and then tell the people, "Hey, Bernie Bros, all five million of you, uh, you need to now go vote for a." Wall Street billionaire. Right. <laughs> you know, the one that your guy has spent eight years telling you is the worst thing in the entire world. Right. I don't right. know where the DNC think they're going to get these extra five million votes. I think they think black people are going to do it. Uh, we ain't enough black people. You know, we're going to have to, gonna have to I, I said, I was teasing before, but I'm not kidding. Brad and Angelina are going to have to go somewhere and adopt about five million <laughs> uh, uh, Africans, hopefully a voting age. 
uh, and get them over here before the election, uh, because I don't know where they think these Bernie, these Bernie people, you know, bit their, most of them bit their lip and voted for Hillary. Wow. Most of them, and some of them didn't. But you think any of them are going to bite their lip and vote for, for Bloomberg? Mm-mm. No. No, we, we have Nobody to get these political revolution. But we I want a political revolution. Are, are willing to lose this election. One, I think they think, hey, I don't mind losing the election presidential if he will buy us the Senate and the House. Mm. We're not sure we can beat Trump anyway, so at least we'll get the Senate and the House. And the other problem that the Dems have, and this is because here's the thing about it. They could say, hey, we'll go with Bernie. And if they lose, you know, Bernie ain't going to have – rich people ain't got no money. All their rich corporate donors are not going to get a Bernie. Mm-hmm. So they're like, hey, we're going to be we're going to be running here, you know, broke with no money, you know, for the party and still lose. And so we might as well lose, you know, with the rich guy and, you know, and, and, and get, you know, get these, get these ends. You know, it, it's a bad strategy. What makes me mad about the Democrats, though, is that they're always so worried about trying to reach out across the aisle and get these moderate independents. Absolutely. Absolutely. What are we, white moderates? Uh, they're no such thing. All right. You're either mm-hmm. a Democrat, uh, a Republican, or a white person who is scared to admit you're a Republican. <laughs> you work with some brothers at work or something. So you say you're independent. Uh, ain't nobody right. there independent. Right. Libertarians. Libertarians <laughs> basically just people who, who assholes who want to smoke pot. which i ain't mad at him i get it but it's like you know this idea that the dems come to their constituents here's what they do every time they come to people and they say hey you know you're environmentalists and we ain't gonna do nothing for the environment uh but y'all need to come and vote for us anyway because republicans are worse and then they're surprised when they do when when the when the environmentalists vote green with 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 nader Mm -hmm. and then they lose the election with gore they do the same thing with us. You know, hey, we ain't going to do nothing. You know, Hillary's, you know, not really going to you know, give you anything. No Black Lives Matter or anything. But go ahead and, and vote with us. And, and, and it's like, you know what? The Republicans, they never once say to the like life people, you know what? The hell with those fetuses. Mm-hmm. We got to get this money. You know, the NRA, by the way, I love this. Age, 75% of the American people support sensible gun laws. They, the Republicans don't say, you know what? We got all these, you know, moderates, Democrat moderates we could get. Right. We need to just throw off the, the NRA. Nope. They're riding with the NRA. I don't think that the Republicans will ride with the 1%. Now, how, what kind of math is that? Hey, we going to get taxes. the money, man. We're going to get taxes, even though 99% of people will not be rich. And they still, by the way, first of all, they get the campaign contributions are rich, right? And secondly, mm-hmm. the, you know, here's what people do. They look at, if you're a Republican and you have one of those things, whether you're right to life, pro-gun, you know, tax, national defense, here's what you know. Your party is going to ride for you. Right. Right? They don't give a damn. They, it'd be unreasonable whether it's popular or not. They don't care. They're going to they gonna do what they said they're going to do. Even Trump, for all of his ridiculousness, gave the right to life everything they wanted. Even rapists on the Supreme Court, they don't give a damn, right? They will give them exactly what they want. And it's like, if we learn, if our, if our Democrat Party can learn, give us what we want. What we, you know, we want Bernie, give us Bernie. Yeah, but, I, but you gotta remember also, like, I think based on the rhetoric that Bernie has put out there, the people who are most immediately affected by anything that he would come in and change policy wise are probably gonna be the people who are the shot callers for the DNC right now. 
and and I think you know, like you said, people don't necessarily like that. They don't. They want to have the fervor of the populace surrounding a political revolution, but they do not want the political right. revolution right. because they are winning right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and, and revolution doesn't have boundaries. <laughs> so, and here's the thing: also, you know, personally, and, and Hillary said this, and people kind of you know got mad, but I totally understand it. Uh, they don't like Bernie personally. Right. And by the way, you know, in terms of the party insiders, and by the way, they have every right not to like Bernie. Bernie for 40 years has been running around saying, you know what, I'm a caucus with you, but let's be clear, uh, uh, y'all suck. Right. All right, Bernie's the kind of guy, you know everybody who, you know, everybody got one of these people. He's cool, he's smart, he's got some things, whatever, but uh, he's, he's a pain in the ass. So, you know, Bernie's <laughs> always sitting there looking at him like, really? Y'all ain't shit. Every week he's in there, y'all ain't shit. Y'all ain't shit. And then he comes to you and says, oh, by the way, I want a nomination. <laughs> right. And I, and I get that point, too. I think the other problem, though, is because of NC's own kind of game manipulation, Right. what we're seeing is a greater awareness in this election cycle of black communities saying, well, what exactly do I get for this vote? Because be- before it was like, eh, we're gonna vote. Well, we knew Obama is kind of a wash. Like, you know, right. if we had a black person who was halfway decent, yeah, he's gonna get our vote. But outside of Obama, it's always like, okay, well, we vote Democrat, and it was almost a mantra, kind of similar to what uh, conservatives in the rural areas of the country they vote Republican, right? Like, they don't necessarily know if you would have questioned them about right, it. Absolutely. It's like, well, my daddy was Republican, my grandma was. But now we are starting to realize through great books from Michelle Alexander and all of these great um, black leaders and thought, we are starting to realize that we need to be we need to hold people accountable for our votes. And that a lot of people we have supported uh, have historically done and enacted policies that were detrimental to our community. So in an effort to be more proactive, we are trying to cling to a, a messenger there and we don't necessarily have that representation. We um we we see now there are no minorities left running for president, and of the people who are left, um we don't really seem to be trusting Buttigieg. Uh, <laughs> we don't seem to be trusting Biden at all. I think that's more so because Biden is putting his foot in his mouth every Thank day. You. Oh. Um, and so you know when I look at it now, I feel like this is the first election I'm voting in where I am voting. As a student loan holder, <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta tell you, I paid. I'm older than you, obviously, so I, but I paid my loan. It took me 20 years to pay my loan. I ain't gonna lie. All right. And the thing that's crazy about it is, is I ain't even mad though. Some people are like, oh, you know, I pay mine off. I'm like, I don't want you to be out. Hopefully, so I'm, moving, I'm I'm voting for you on that. You know, ain't no need for the next 20 years trying to pay these loans off. Yes, give me out of debt so I can contribute to the economy. There you in go. Another way. Absolutely. So, you know, in, in in all of this discourse, I think some of the things that we are starting to realize is that the world sometimes is not limited to the sound bites that we hear on news stations, be it from politicians or even trusted reporters, trusted people in the media who you would expect when there's a person of great stature who passes away will uh, honor that person's life and legacy and let that person be buried. And yes, I'm talking about Gail King. All right, we got to talk about Gail King. Let's play, uh, and actually we have the, the, the video that started the, the controversy 
Gail King is is interviewing Lisa Leslie, you know, Hall of WNBA Hall of Famer, I imagine, or soon will be, um, you know, great great basketball star, L.A. Sparks, and a friend of Kobe's, and she talks to him about his legacy and everything. And and here is the the conversation. She was going to be in the WNBA. It's been said that his legacy is complicated because of the sexual assault charge, which was dismissed in 2003, 2004. Is it complicated for you as a woman, as a WNBA player? It's not complicated for me at all. Even if there's a few times that we've been at a club at the same time, Kobe's not the kind of guy, never been like, you know, Lisa, go get that girl or tell her or send her this. I have other NBA friends that are like that. Mm-hmm. Kobe's, he, he was never like that. I just never see, have ever seen him being the kind of person that would be do something to violate a woman or be aggressive in that way. I, that's just not the person that I know. But Lisa, you wouldn't see it, though. As his friend, you wouldn't see it. And that's possible. Mm-hmm. I just... It's just I just don't I just don't believe that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying things didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I just don't believe that things didn't happen with force. Is it even a fair question to talk about it, considering he's no longer with us and that it was resolved? Or is it really part of his history? I think that the media should be more respectful um, at this time, it's like if you had questions about it, you've had many years to ask him that. I don't think it's something that we should keep hanging over his legacy. I mean, he went to, it went to trial. Yeah, well, the case is, it was dismissed because the victim in the case refused to testify. So it was dismissed. And I think that that's how we should leave it. So first and foremost, <laughs> I want to give the biggest in the world. Lisa Leslie, you are awesome. You had questions in a way that is supportive of your friend and didn't fall for any of the media gotcha journalism tricks that Gail King put out there. So kudos to you, Lisa Leslie. Now, as far as Gail King is concerned, I have a problem with the fact... I don't want to have to be on Facebook all week defending you, so so keep it respectful. Well, I'll say this. So I thought initially, well, first of all, Gail King, to be in there wearing any kind of Laker yellow color, <laughs> why you doing this? That's a whole nother thing, but that's neither here nor there. Um, to, I thought that the first question about, um, the sexual assault charge, even though it was kind of out of left field, I think that was fair, right? Okay. My, my issue is once Lisa Leslie has given you the response, to suggest that she doesn't want to go any further with that, then why are you now saying, but Lisa, you wouldn't know. He's your friend. <laughs> Come on. You know what he does on the weekend. Like, like why, why would you do that? The man's not even in the ground yet. He got a family out here that's trying to cope without him and his daughter now. And I just feel like this is so far out of pocket. And I'm, I'm actually surprised because I would expect more from Gail King. And I know that she has had her issue and said that this was part of the, the network splicing up the interview and taking out the parts that they want for salacious media attention. But now, you asked the question. Hey, right? you know, <laughs> they can't splice what you don't ask, right? Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, they, I mean, actually, enough, how much more was it? I saw, you know, that, you know, I, I agree with everything you had to say. I like Lisa Leslie had sort of answered. The thing that got me about this was, and we talk about this all the time. Context. 
For her to ask Lisa Leslie about that, what's the context to asking her that? One, right? She has seen something like that, has told you, hey, you know what? I've seen this kind of big behavior. Or two, maybe she's a victim of sexual assault herself, someone who has a special understanding of how this dynamic works. Okay. Neither one of those seem to be the case. So why are you asking her about that? What, who are you gonna ask next? His kids, uh, it was, it was his wife, the, the, the gardener, right? Like you, you know, if for you to ask someone, it would ha- it seems to me that there would need to be some reason to ask that person specifically. You're not just asking a friend on the street, and she doesn't have any knowledge of this. She tells you that. Then she tells you, hey, I never saw this, right? Versus no. trying to, like you said, accept that and go to know now she's in there, like, well, you, and then why you ask her if she wouldn't know? Right. And then right. there's always the extra, the extra little twist of the knife into it. So then she's like, oh yeah, well, you know, the case was dropped because the witness. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, Gail. So, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like Lisa Leslie, she's obviously has some great media training. She was able to dodge Bob Weave. She looked like Ali out there. Um, and so. Well, but here's the thing about it is, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. She was, you know, we're very professional about it, but there was nothing for her to say because she hadn't seen it. So it's not even like she's covering for him. She right. says, hey, I, that didn't, that's not the Kobe I knew. Right? right? And she, and Gail's point is like, okay, well, you wouldn't know it. Then good. Then why are you asking her? <laughs> right, right. If you wouldn't know. There's no reason for you. Why would you see what I'm saying? And so to me, it's like, you know, you don't have, you know, she seems to be like just trying to throw this narrative out there as, as if, you know, how do I say it? It'd be like almost having someone like me on, right? And then be like, okay, mm-hmm. well, Sean, you know, what about these, uh, Bill Cosby allegations? What the hell would I know? I, you, know what I mean? you know, nobody is, is, is roofing my big ass. Like, what yeah. am I going to tell you that, that, that anyone else wouldn't tell you? Because they, cause it's not my relationship with them, right? And so to me, that was I was pissed about that. Now, neither one of us, you know, we were disappointed in the system, right? right? You know, thought that she's trying to, you know, put a hatchet job. I think Lisa had the best point. You had 20 years to talk about this. 20 years. All right. That, with statute limitations on most things, is like what? Arson, everything but murder is like what? Arson like three years. You can burn down my house and tell me about it in four years. You good. <laughs> right, right. It's twenty years you had to ask him about it. Every day he was he was out there got to ask her. Every day after he, after he had the interview after the game, all right, you could have talked about this. You wait till the man's in the ground with his wife is trying to bury is, right. is, is him and her baby, right? And she got to hear you turn on TV. He listen to today show and hear you in there talking about how many people Kobe raped. Right, right. Me, meanwhile. When Charlie Rose was going through his storm, it was like, oh, well, you know, we, we want to hold off until we get the facts. That's not the Charlie I knew. Hey, hey, like, hey. <laughs> oh, man. Now, that being said, um, Snoop had his own way of covering it. Uh, let's listen to Snoop. We the fucking worst. We expect more from you, Gail. Don't you hang out with Oprah? Why y'all attacking us? We your people. You ain't coming after fucking Harvey Weinstein asking them dumbass questions. I'm trying to own multiple business, business. <laughs> Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg, my boy. You other people, 50 Cent. Some of it, because some of the friends who are into... All right, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll get out of no, the later. I was going to say, I know it's a music video. <laughs> I know. I'll get, I'll get the rest of it. All right, so, so, so as you can tell, um, Snoop was not happy uh, with Gail. The thing about it is, is that I totally, and I got, I mean, I even hear this, I totally get where Snoop is coming from. Right. That said, 
Um, the problem, of course, Snoop did is that you, you know, you want to protect the fam, right? Right. But you can't protect black men by, 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 by victimizing black women. Right. Because, like, Absolutely. I don't know how we're going to get more black men without black women. All right, we kind of need black women. They're kind of important, all right? And mm-hmm. when, as a black man, you call a sister out of her name, talking about maybe we should come get you, how do you now then expect white people, particularly cops, to respect our women if you're talking about them and talking about Absolutely. come get them? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I'll say this, too. I mean, as someone who grew up on Snoop Dogg and who, who was a big fan of Snoop, um, you know, I always, you know, keep in the back of my mind that as much success as Snoop has gotten and the fact that he's doing shows with Martha Stewart and all that <laughs> stuff now, uh, Snoop was a gangster. Right? <laughs> I, I never want to forget that. Like, he's a gangster. And even though he may be far removed, I'm pretty sure if you say the right things to him, uh, he's going to be a gangster. So, <laughs> but, but, uh, my, my thing was, I think he, he reacted and, and expressed his concern uh, in the way that you would anticipate a gangster right, right, react. Right. Um, and, and I think he didn't think it through. I mean, he certainly since apologized for, for hey, but I think you have to remember, like, him and Kobe, this was a friendship. Like, Kobe right. used to come to Snoop's house. Um, and these were people that he knew. And this is like a situation where it's, it's fresh on all of our minds. Um, and nobody was closer. I mean, with the exception of Kobe's family and maybe Shaq, nobody else was really as close to Kobe as Snoop was. So it's one of those things where he's not going to tolerate disrespect coming from somebody who's not even famous, let alone somebody who is famous, doing the right thing, not being a gangster, raising their kids, being a good father, being a good husband. Like I was for the first part of what Snoop said, I was very happy to see um, both he and Lil Boosie coming together. In the name of black men to try to defend Kobe's honor. I do think that you cannot be threatening to roll up on 65 years old. <laughs> well, <laughs> Particularly when you're Snoop and we know that you got a history. Right, of rolling up yeah, right. yeah, they're an idle threat. Now, no, the thing is, it's funny though is, is that, you know, as mad as he was, you know, it's funny and this is the thing is, and it, it's weird how we all play into this. So, for example, remember we talked a lot about, uh, remember the, uh, Allison, um, what was it, the woman who from MSNBC who, who came up with our favorite word of 2020, Nakers. Oh, yes, Nakers, yes. I don't I remember, remember him talking about we gonna come get you, Allison. Because he yeah. know had he had he rolled up on on her and made a video like that with her, uh, the police would have been there in about forty five minutes. 45 minutes. <laughs> he know he can he you can you can you can you know threaten some pretty white woman because you know the white people, white men they like them they they'll, they'll keep they they'll ride for them all right and, and so he he you know he, he ain't never said nothing about that about Martha he he know right. better than that right and right. so part of it is like look Snoop I get it you're upset or whatever but you wouldn't have come out after a white woman like that because you know how what can happen to you and so right. let's just treat the sisters at least as well as we treat white women. Maybe better, maybe. But let's, but let's just go we'll start at, at just as good. All right? And now, to Snoop's credit, we talked about all this, but you said he apologized. I'm play his apology for you because this, by the way, is I, I got my kids together. And mm-hmm. I never thought I'd be saying this to my kids. Uh, kids, come here, and we need to listen to what Uncle Snoop had to say. I never thought my whole life I was ever going to say that. But this is, an, this is how you handle your business if you mess up. Tops, what up, though? This is Big Snoop Dogg. 
Here's a message for the people that need to know. I'm a nonviolent person. When I said what I said, I spoke for the people who felt like Gail was very disrespectful towards Kobe Bryant and his family. Now, with that being said, what I look like wants some harm to come to a 70-year-old woman. I was raised way better than that. I didn't want no harm to come to her and didn't threaten her. All I did was say, check it out. You out of pocket for what you're doing and we watching you. Have a little bit more respect for Vanessa, her babies, and Kobe Bryant's legacy. Yeah. But anyway, I'm going to do what I got to keep doing. Y'all keep doing what y'all doing. We're very nonviolent. We just want to say that first and foremost. We speak from the heart. Some of you who have no heart don't understand that. But anyway, carry on and enjoy your day. Top of the motherfucking morning. All right. I, just, <laughs> I got the wrong one again. Damn. <laughs> have you ever heard? The, all right. Anyway, we'll just put skip past that. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll say, I mean, you know, nonviolence is, is definitely a good look on Snoop, particularly when murder was the case that they gave him. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that he has progressed. And I think, you know, part of that is being rich, right? Like being rich, it helps a lot. Um, but what, what I will say is I think, again, we, we have to focus on two things. So one, I feel like the the cut is deeper when it comes from a member of your own community. Right. And I think as black people, we oftentimes put a lot of higher expectations on folks who are on the media representing us. Absolutely. So um, we, we want Gail King or even to some extent, I think when people say Gail King, it's kind of implied that Oprah is there. Absolutely. Too. We, we, we want Gail and Oprah to be the representatives we want them to be because we have, feel like we are a part of their story and their promotion. But at the same time, I think that a lot of people had complaints. A lot of the community had complaints that Oprah and Gail King, uh, tend to point their guns at the wrongdoings of African American men. And people feel like, okay, well, hold on now for, it's, it's one thing if this is somebody who, you know, is R. Kelly, right? Like R. Kelly, like, okay, let's take him down. We, we were all cheering for Gail. In her interview with R. Kelly, um, but it's it's another thing where you're looking at the the a person like Kobe Bryant, who we're talking about an issue that happened over 20 years ago. We're talking about an issue who only the people who were in that room, Kobe and that girl, really know what happened. It looks like they got two completely different stories, but he did end up apologizing. I think even his apology has been somewhat misconstrued um, for from that too. And I think that we went on, like everybody moved on. He obviously, for whatever happened, uh, became a better person, right. a better husband, a better father, learned from that. And that still is no reason, you know, in a, in a situation where we, we hadn't even had a chance to properly mourn for Kobe yet. Uh, and it felt like attacks were already coming. So um, I definitely understand the frustrations that are there. I also understand that with Gail King being a reporter, she has a job to do. And a reporter's job oftentimes is to ask tough questions that we wouldn't necessarily want to hear. But, um, you know, a reporter is also given a certain degree of latitude for what they can ask and they understand the context. And by the so, way, had she, here's the thing is, had she had an interview with the young woman herself, mm -hmm. 
I would totally get that. My, you know, like I said, my problem before was that, you know, yeah, you're supposed to ask tough questions, but you're supposed to ask them of question of people who can actually answer your tough question. Right. Right. And so it's like, you know, yes, I, I, mean, I would probably, you know, not prefer you, you know, not interview the young woman or whatever. But if you did, at least that would have been something, you know, where you know, it, it just seemed like bad. Now, sociopolitics, let me tell you about why I had to set my kids down for it. This is what grown folks are supposed to do and almost no people do it. Notice in the apology, Snoop did not say, I, I did not call her out of her name. What mm-hmm. Snoop said was that uh, two wrongs don't make a right. And, and, and I was wrong. He acknowledged it. All right. The naker woman still ain't acknowledging. All right. She's what? still around talking about, I was talking about the nakers. Right. Ain't no goddamn thing. Right. What? The other what? thing she didn't do is try to do what, what politicians often do, where, yeah, they'll say uh, they're sorry. They're sorry that you were stupid. Right. What I called her, when I called her, you know, uh, a bitch, uh, that was actually a term of endearment. In the black right. Normally, you know. I'm popping gun violence. Exactly. You know, that's the highest form. I mean, other than Stanko, that's really, you know, the right. highest form of compliment. Y'all don't know this because y'all from the suburbs. So, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm apologize that you misunderstood. No, he was straight up, right? I was wrong and da, da, da. And, and, and I got to tell you, you know, if you do that, it, you know, you always will have my respect. I got nothing but love for Snoop now. And you mess up, hey, it's fine. But if you come back and you will own your stuff, and the thing that got him, and, and you know, we got we got to give praise here to Mama Snoop. Absolutely. He said, you heard he said he would raise better than that. His mama called it. He put it on Instagram. Mama called and said, hey, you know. And I love, this is what I love, and I wish so much so that everybody could get this. Everybody needs a black mama. Even if you're white, go get you a black mama. And, you know, you, sister, a nice sister will adopt you. Is that you need somebody to remind you every once in a while that you were raised better than that. Absolutely. Because sometimes you'll forget. I, I, I'm 50-something. I forgot a couple of months. I, I forget a lot, actually. I, I do some stuff that I was raised I, I was raised better than this. And, and to have somebody to sort of sit you down and let you know. And I love the fact also that she didn't, you know, she took responsibility. A lot of times you'll see people talking about, you know, I love the fact that I'll see this on, on the Internet a lot. People saying, you know, man, let's be clear, white women say, you know, white man ain't shit. Mm-hmm. Or trash. White men are trash. I'm like, who the hell's raising these men? <laughs> who the hell sleep with him every night that's y'all alright so, so 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 no no you trash then see Snoop Dogg mama didn't go on the internet and be like my, my boy ain't shit right being a black man of trash so she's like no 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 I, I, I gotta just go ahead and correct him and get him right again and, and I think another important thing to understand particularly if uh, white people are gonna go find black moms um, the power of the black mom's backhand is very <laughs> very important <laughs> It has instilled a healthy fear into us at an early age so that we know when that call comes in, you need to accept it. When that call comes in, you need to understand that she's going to check you when you did wrong. And you need to understand that it doesn't matter whether you're 30, 30 63, or 78. If your mom is still here, you ain't too old to get double back slapped. So <laughs> you got lucky to get the double back slap. Let me tell you why. I don't think my mother ever spanked me, and that's worse because I had a mother who would just uh, fuss at you for about eight hours. See, okay. gonna, uh, think about it. Mama gonna get tired after about thirty seconds of whooping. All right, she she gonna eventually, you know, huh, uh, don't you no more. You can't get more than a minute or so of whooping. All right, but, okay. your, but your mama can can sit there and then tell you ain't shit for about six hours. <laughs> uh, two hours into it, I'm like, Mama, here's the belt. Just please whoop me so we can be done. <laughs> oh, man. And I still got a mama. I'm 52 years old now. And I look at the phone and I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, every time I see my mom, I think about those uh, video games, the Mortal Kombat's, where they're standing in front of the weapons, like, which weapon will you choose? Belt. Switch. <laughs> see, I would love a little Vitality. Vitality going to be over eventually. So, yeah, but seriously, it's really kind of, like I said, a beautiful thing, you know, the man, you know, you know his mama's still there. Like I said, you know, I love that attitude of, you know, not going to condemn him, not going to, she didn't put out her own video. Mm-hmm. And just call him up, be like, hey, boy, you raised, I bet your conversation was two minutes. Right. You raised better than that. And he probably at first, you know, been like the rest of us. Well, mama, he's like, boy, you were raised better than that. I don't care what she right. did. And he thought about it. He said, let me get on Instagram now for my mama come over here. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I got nothing but love for Snoop. But I don't just say that because, you know, you got people. Uh, I mean right. it. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, now, on the other hand, let's talk about his partner in crime here, uh, uh, Lil Boosie. Um, Lil Boosie not only has been all up in the Kobe thing. Lil Boosie's in everybody's business. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Let me let me. So so some of you know D Wade and Gabrielle Union uh, have a twelve year old uh, Zaya, and and Zaya has come out and said, "Hey, I I was born a boy, but I, I feel like a girl. I, I right. want to be a girl." And the ways to their credit are like, "Hey, this is our ba- This is our baby." We love you, right. you know, X, Y, or Y, Y, whatever, whatever, you know, X, Y, Z. All right. We love you, baby. And we got you. Right. Uh, I don't know how that's objectionable at all. I don't know how anybody be like, oh, how dare you love your baby? <laughs> <laughs> but Lil okay. Boosie had some problem with it. And let me explain. I, I got to just play this for you because you're not going to believe if I told you. You would t- tell me I'm lying. <laughs> I gotta say something about this shit, bro. Dwayne Wade, you gone too fucking far, dog. That is a male. A 12-year-old. At 12, they don't even know, they don't even know what their next meal gonna be. They don't even, they don't have shit figured out yet. He might meet a, a, a woman, anything, at 16 and fall in love with her. But his dick be gone, how you gonna, like, bro, that's, it's, it's, you going too far, dog. Don't cut his dick off, bro. Like, bro. For real. If he gonna be gay, let him be gay. But don't cut his dick off, bro. Like, don't address him as a woman, dog. He's 12 years old. He don't, he's not, he's not up there yet. He, he hasn't made his final decisions yet. Don't cut his fucking dick off, Dwayne Wade, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I gotta stop. <laughs> you know, he's preaching a little bit. He ain't done it yet. He ain't been there yet. Don't right, cut right. <laughs> the worst sermon well, in the history of the world. <laughs> so I, I want to be very clear and careful in what I say because, like Snoop, Boosie is also very much a gangster. <laughs> I ain't afraid of no, I ain't afraid of no grown ass man running around calling himself a little Boosie. Nothing, but Boosie gets my ass. All right, I can take Boosie. Hell with Boosie. I don't know. He survived uh, Louisiana prison system. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, might, oh, that might be why his name is so close to Booty. But anyway, let's go home. Well, yeah, man. You know, I, I, I've been seeing that he has comments on everybody's stuff here recently. <laughs> um, and what what is hilarious and yet, you know, I guess so engaging about Boosie is 
that he always voices the opinion of what I would consider the barbershop conversation. Right, 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 right. These conversations that people have on the barbershop but don't Absolutely. put on Instagram and people disavow as soon as you leave the barbershop. So when I hear him, I hear um insecurities. I hear in him him saying, This is a child, right? right? This child may not necessarily know what he wants. You can't just believe him because he's twelve and he says he feels like a woman. I also hear some ignorance about what that means to say <laughs> you feel like a woman. And, oh, and, and let's not gloss over that because that's the two things you you mentioned that 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 Boosie's getting off. First of all, Boosie, let's be clear. Um the dick cutting off um is not mandatory. It, it right, might right. It, it might not ha- it certainly probably won't happen at twelve. It might not happen ever. You could actually uh be uh transgender, all right, and male to female and, and, and still keep your dick. I know the dick's very important to you. That's why right. you think anyway, <laughs> right, right, right. you keep your dick, all right? Um and so and then the other part is uh just be gay. Uh that's not the same thing, brother. Right. <laughs> exactly. Most exactly. men still want to keep be one men too, all right? It's not like they want to be women, but they just don't have the money. All right, they actually like to be men. So there's two different things, brother. But I, I, I do respect that that you know you you very dick positive. I get that. I'm <laughs> sure that we have all the dicks in the world. We can. I, I, I respect that. I'm looking. Anyway, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Anyway, I'm not gonna reverse homophobia. Uh, so just the point is, though, uh, the brother is, is is a little mistaken. But you're right, though, and this is important because you know we all you know as our higher selves and whatever we want to talk about it and pretend like Boosie only one saying this. Uh, Boosie is, is probably I, among black men. Where would you say we work out in percentages on Boosie? Uh, well, I'm, I'm from the South. So I think he has a large following <laughs> <laughs> of people who probably agree with everything that he says. Good point. Either Good point. Or not. Um, but what, what I'll say is this. I think also that, um, the attitudes that we have, particularly because we're from the South, there are, I always feel like there's a history of men, um, being emasculated historically in the South, like right. not being able to tell white people what you really think about what they said to you. And, you know, all this stuff, just a history of Jim Crow leading all the way back to slavery that now we're starting to see a generation of people who are opening up and who in a sense feel reborn and empowered to say things. But um, so I think there's there's that. And that's why people resonate with messages like from Pussy, because he can come out and basically because he's got money, say whatever he wants. To. All right, right. And so well, a lot of people are like, yeah, if I could do that, that's that's what I would say. But right. I also think, that also agrees with him, you know, rap audience. Right. So he's not worried about it. Right. Right. But I also think that once you are educated on these issues. Right. And I'll be the first to admit when I was in law school, I took a sexual identity in the law class and i took it because i needed to fill a writing credit i didn't necessarily think that i would learn anything right so i went into the class and what happened was i was exposed to all these stories and the extents to which people transgender people went through um getting bullied getting harassed and all this stuff and when you actually hear the stories and you see what's going on if you have a soul you're gonna feel like Oh, okay. Nobody wants that. Right, I don't want anybody to get beat up because they're, they feel differently or whatever. You may not necessarily understand it, but it's not for you to understand. Right. So it's, it's their business. And I think what we want to do is make sure that we're respecting that their, their identity preference and that we're also, that they have a right to live in the way that exists. And I think that's a message that people who are from an older generation or particularly an isolated, 
and uh, less educated generation don't necessarily appreciate, right? Because they they're used to everything being hard. Like they don't feel like I can tell you if if my grandfather was still alive, he doesn't feel like you get to choose whether you're a man or not. Your responsibility right. fell to you at three years old. You are a man. You will do this. You will do that. And if you feel differently, we're going to go out back, square up, and then we're going to go back <laughs> and you're do it. Like, it's just, it's different. And that's, and I think that, you know, even with that, that um, position, uh, it is inherited throughout the generations. And I think, but for me taking that class, I probably would be boozy, right? right. Well, fair so, well, no, And here's the thing about it: cause I have, you know, in my uh, younger and, and less enlightened days, had a similar argument, which is basically like, look, you know, I, I lots of things about my body I don't like. All right, mm-hmm. I, I, I would have chose this one if I could choose. Right, I would have been obviously uh, a lot more athletic. Um, okay. I might have added uh, some, some 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 areas of 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 of, 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 of <laughs> I might have added another four five inches somewhere. All right? <laughs> but okay. I, I didn't get it. It's not like oh, I don't like my nose. Right, your gender is so big in a society. You know, it's. I mean, think about what gender is. We can't even talk about people without mentioning gender, his, her, right, that type of thing. Right. Where you know right. your bathroom, you know, and and the thing that Boosie said here was amazing. Is think about it. One thing he got mad about it is, don't you refer to this boy as a as a girl, as a woman? Mm-hmm. Don't you take away his God given right and privilege to be a man. Mm-hmm. And put him in this subservient thing, and he might change his mind, come back to his senses, and be the man he he's supposed to be, and get that extra thirty cents an hour, mm. right? Or thirty cents <laughs> right, right. right? Yeah. And it was kind of a, a latent, you know, a male supremacy, for, or was it chauvinism, or, or, or patriarchy? Where it says, "Hey, you know what? You got a good one. He was got he got the good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Don't right. take that away from him because he don't know yet. You know, just you know." And, and so, you know, there's, there's so much to unpack there, but here is the weirdest thing to me and someone you know it, it's I, my first thought was i you know when, when you it, i thought about it I said, okay this was my child because the thing he he's missing here is that he thinks that oh you 12 year old your child tells you that they feel like a, 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 a woman that you know identify as a woman and you say mm-hmm. okay doc come on in here bring that knife and you cut a dick off right and, and and start putting makeup on and it's like no it's a process you have right, you have right. hormones you try to figure out well do we stop puberty before it gets started right when it's going to be much harder to fix all this stuff, or do we let them go through puberty and you know and, and cosmetically be a girl but keep the gender sort of the same and you know because maybe they'll change their mind later. It's a you know you got to go to psychologists. They don't just by the way just take you into you know a kitchen and give you a knife. You know right, it's a, right. there's certain you know, there's procedures. There's, like I said, you got to see a team of psychologists, there's therapy and hormones and all that stuff, right? Right. And the thing that's interesting is is like all of that is something that medical doctors will argue about. But here is what every medical doctor is in the world is in agreement on. None of them give a damn what Lil Boosie think about it. <laughs> that is in the A the AMA and medical ethics. Never okay. ask Lil Boosie shit. All right? It's in the Hippocratic Oath, right? Now so no <laughs> more harm, nor ask Lil Boosie about his opinion about anything, right? And right. this is the thing that's amazing to me about the internet. It's not that Boosie has a crazy opinion. We had him in the barbershop all the time. But yeah. it stayed in the barbershop. Absolutely. Right? You weren't at work now arguing about what this fool in the barbershop had to say. And somehow we lost the ability, because I guess social media, to keep stupid in the barbershop. Right. Right? I 
made, you know, the arguments that we've had. I've taken the stupid position, but fortunately, it was in, you know, like I said, the barbershop, your boys, in the bar, whatever. Somehow now, every stupid thing that's ever said is now something that a society we got to diagnose. We got to mm-hmm. work out. We got to work through it. And we got to get to the point where, you know what? Remember, remember this, and there's always one dude in the barbershop um, where you just say, oh, please, that's man, man. And that fool got a different crazy opinion every week. You don't get mad about it. You don't take it home with you. You listen to it. You laugh. You move on. You know he a fool. He got no opinion every week. Right. You know he 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 one guy in the barbershop arguing that Rocky Marciano could beat Joe Lewis. (laughs) Right. Right. He was always one fool. But what you didn't do is then go home, put on social media, and then fight with your friends for six hours about why. Right. Because I don't even follow Lil Boosie, but somehow every time he says something stupid, it's now on my feet. Now yeah, I gotta go to yeah. for Lil Boosie. Yeah, his social media team or lack thereof, like that, they making sure that he gets his message out. Spread By the way, I, I, I ended up Wikipedia the brother mm-hmm. and found out that. By the way, he, you know, he got a young child of name. I guess maybe now go by Boosie a lot with Boosie Badass, whatever. Um, right. uh, Boosie is 348 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Boosie has been rapping since 1996, professionally. Yep. Yep. 25 years in the game. That, that's a career, right? Yep. And so, and, and so, one, he too old to be that stupid. But two, <laughs> the thing about it is, is that, you know, this is a grown man, all right? But that's not his area of expertise. And here's the thing about it is, I totally get it. And this is what's weird. This is what it should be. You should go to Lil Boosie for rap questions. Right. And everything else, no, but for 25 years, if he got, if I got a rap question, I'm calling Boosie personally. Maybe not anymore. <laughs> uh, if you hear, this, if you hear this, 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 this podcast, maybe not. But this brother obviously knows a lot about his stuff. And that's the thing that's weird is, there used to be a time where, and I'm guilty of this too, I'm a Lil Boosie. Not on this topic, but I am constantly on Facebook, right, telling the world as we know it, just a smaller audience, um, you know, every stupid thought in my head. Right. Stuff I'm not qualified to talk about. We the brothers in law, you know, the things we can legal and, 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 and we should be talking about legislation, et cetera, which we will in a minute. But, 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 you know, I don't know about you, but I will hop out of pocket in a minute. And somehow in society, people are listening to the out of pocket stuff, right? Right. When we used to never, you know, you know, I mean, and that's what this weird to me is, is that we got to get to the point where I was in Cincinnati a couple weeks ago, walking down the street, homeless guy. And I don't think, I don't know exactly what he said, but I think he had said something like peanut butter and jelly causes AIDS. I'm not sure exactly. <laughs> okay. But here's what I, I know for sure. I did not go back and ask him to clarify. <laughs> What he meant and why I need to correct him and educate right. him <laughs> or, right. or how Peter and Butter Jelly don't call it A's, it calls emphysema. I don't have to do that, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and we got to get back to the point where, because of, well, now that we all got a megaphone, we got to learn to tune some stuff out. Yeah, man. And, you know, like, I, I feel like there's a certain degree of uh, it's a gift and a curse to have social media, right? right? So there's a certain degree of gift because I feel like I'm able to voice a lot of stuff that is enlightening and right. motivational right. and uplifting in a way that people wouldn't have known um, prior to social media presence. But I also feel like, you know, there are certain people who get on social media and they're doing it either for likes, 
or maybe some kind of advertising. I feel uh, attacked. I feel attacked. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. I, I was thinking more so about Instagram where you have right. uh, women who are obviously oh. drop dead gorgeous asking to be friends with you. And you're like, I don't know you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know you, ma'am. Uh, <laughs> let, let me tell you a little brother-in-law secret, all right? That, everybody, don't get you nervous. I don't mean this. Here's the thing is, Jesse and I both agree to this. I, I'm sure he will. When I am on Instagram or Facebook, all right, and I see, oh, you might want to know Bikini Girl here. <laughs> I'm going to click on her thing, not because I want to join Bikini Girl, because I am not. I don't think she's looking for 52-year-old chubby humorous, all right? But here's why I want to do it. I want to see which one of my friends is nasty. And I keep finding the same four dudes responsible for all these videos, you know, these these Instagram models, right, and all my thing. And I'm just looking at him like, really? She up in a pool here in Monte Carlo, and you think she wants your broke butt here in in Dayton? Yeah. I mean, it it gets ridiculous, man. I see one the other day where it's like – uh, some, some girl, and she was fully cool, but she sent something that said, uh, you, you may know her or whatever the case may be. And I was like, know her? Like, and so she was obviously Asian, but it said that she was from Durham. Which we <laughs> I was like, huh? But I'm always thinking maybe somebody from high school, whatever. So I clicked. They didn't even have any bones about it. Like, as soon as you click, there was a pornographic video right below. <laughs> Play. And you're like, whoa, like, like, whoa. And stupid me, I'm still here like, but is she from Durham? No, <laughs> maybe, maybe we're high school again. <laughs> Man, I, yeah, exactly. So, so, but, but by the way, so we're going to now jump into, I think, our area of expertise to talk about the law. We're going to talk about the Crown Act. Yes. And the, not the Royal right. Crown Act. That's a different one. Right. This isn't the Meghan Markle Act. This, this is the Crown <laughs> Act. This is the Creating a Respectful and Open World for Natural Hair Act. There we go. And the premise of the act is at least facially simple. Um, the premise is that people should not be discriminated against uh, based on the way that their hair naturally grows from their head. Right. Yep. So one of the things that people may not necessarily appreciate is Hair discrimination prior to the imposition of this act was not considered part of racial discrimination from a, a legal standpoint. Right. And we have seen cases after cases. I think uh I don't want to get the wrong name. I think it was the Ameri- I think it was American Airlines, where there was somebody who in the late nineties sued American Airlines because she got fired for having natural hair. Right. Um and she fought the case all the way up, I think, to the Supreme Court. And she lost, right? Because that was not deemed a factor in racial discrimination. Right. So, if a girl had, you know, a dreads or, uh, or a twist, then, uh, she'd have got fired too. Cause, you know, right. white people grow, you know, naturally curly hair. <laughs> right, right, right. So, the, the point of the act is to try to at least, um, constitute it as an act of racial discrimination, but we have discovered in the research that Sean has done <laughs> that it may not necessarily be what we think it is. Yeah, exactly. And so basically, it doesn't say that an employer or school can't, you know, tell you, they can't, can't restrict your right to grow dreads down to your, you know, your, your knees. Mm-hmm. What it says is, is that it cannot <laughs> do it just against black hair. Right? So it says, hey, if the rule says nobody can have hair past the shoulder, 
then nobody can, whether it's straight, curly, et cetera. And so it says basically the rule says the Crown Act is going to allow people to never be discriminated against for how the hair grows out of your head. But it, you can all right, lose your job for how long it grows out of your hair. Your head. And, you know, that's, you know, a, 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 an accommodation that was probably made. So I looked, I took a look at the, the, the law in, um, I believe it's Washington. And here's what part it is. It's like California passed it. And then like, there's like a dozen states now considering it everywhere. Even the federal government has, you know, it'll never get through Senate, obviously, but then the house <laughs> didn't use the bill, right, to talk about this. So it's just been a big thing. You know, people have really gotten serious about it, but the, the state law, I think is Washington had a special proviso that was put in and says, oh, by the way, let's be clear. And he talked about it. If you have professional grooming policy for the police, the you know, a military academy. So perfect example, military academy. Everyone in the military academy has to have hair, shortly cropped, et cetera, at least the boys. And so it says we're not going to allow the black guy to have, you know, the, the uh, will be the word for it, you know, the um, Ricky Williams dreads right. or Bob Marley. All right, have the Bob Marley dreads and then all the white guys have crew cuts. Right. Now your crew cut can be, you know, can can can, can be curly and you know and, and and shaggy, but it's got to be, you know, regulation for whatever the the organization is, and so it's going to help some. It's definitely going to help people. And I think you know the thing that that's flight attendant, for instance, there's no requirement for any airline stewardess to have short hair, right? Mm-hmm. It can be long, and gorgeous. We want them to look good, but they were saying, no, 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 long black hair looks ugly and unprofessional, mm-hmm. but long white hair looks good. Mm-hmm. And now they're not gonna be able to do that anymore. If you can grow your hair past your shoulders, and then you want you could be twist, reds, right, lock, whatever it is, and right. that that's gonna be helpful at least. So we're not gonna, and hopefully it'll it, it will go, it, you know, it will I guess reduce the stigma of black hair mm-hmm. as being unprofessional, as being something that you know, and because I gotta tell you, you know, up until very recently, most black professionals just accepted that that was the rule of the game. Oh yeah, yeah. They make that known in corporate America. All right, make that. And he, well, his part is is it's never said explicitly, but somehow you get the picture, right? That's what I love about it is, right? You had you got your white boys at work, you know you do, and and nobody ever said, hey Jesse, they talk about white, but somehow you got the message <laughs> that you were going to talk about you doing this podcast, right? right, right. <laughs> and, and 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 that's the way it works with hair. You know, it, it's the kind of thing where you know no one ever said the sister you got to get a perm. Uh, but you looking around that the office got the idea that maybe right. you had maybe maybe you weren't gonna be the only one coming here, you know, with a natural. Right. Which which is really sad because a lot of people, you know, for for white listeners who may not understand, uh, a lot of those perms had lye and other chemicals in it that was actually doing damage to black women's scalp. Uh, but yet these were the extent. This is the extent of the the efforts that black people have to make in order to. Uh, fit or play a role into this society. Uh, and I think a lot of white people don't necessarily appreciate it because they have what they call wash and wear hair. So, uh, oh, yeah. oh, okay. the- exactly. and here's what it'd be one thing if we were, and there was also kind of the double standard. So for instance, if you're a white girl, you can get a perm, right? Which, which does the exact opposite, right? Make sure your hair curly. Right. And that was never a problem. Black people try to straighten their hair out of like you said, burning their score. It's not only scalps, but foreheads and back and back and necks, right? Every, every right. black woman got some, you know, injury. Right from 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 trying to do her hair to make it straight, and then white girl, you know, on the weekend buy her perm kit, and she come in, you know, looking like, looking like a labradoodle, right? And, and, and that was fine. Um, and so hopefully, you know, black people will. Start, but here's the thing about it is, in addition to the product, now we got to have the courage to start 
doing it. So Jesse, you, you run around with, with a very respectable haircut. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna need to see some, some, some dreads on you by, by next year this time. <laughs> or, 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 you know, you know what? Forget that cornrows. You need to come into Duke in some cornrows. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll say this, man. I think, um, you know, for me, my, my hair has always been a situation where I, I don't function well because I get dandruff really easily. Uh, uh, so yeah. The more hair I have, the more dandruff I get, and I'm always searching for products to help out and all oh, that. Yeah, we got head and shoulders on the air for 30 years. Don't give me that. You, nah, you, nah, nah. you, you need to grow your core roll. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, you know, I'm, I just might. I don't know if I'll get the corn roll section, but I, you know, usually I have a nice curly top. I've cut it down yeah. now. Uh, so I don't mind, you know, growing some hair out here and there. I just, you know, I never was a fan of long, long locks on me because right. I look stupid. Uh, <laughs> right. And it plays a major part in it. I don't feel like I look as good as, as some of the people I know who have dreadlocks and who have braids and, and pull it off. Uh, no, me, no, I, I agree. You gotta have the right hair, so you know, and perfect example is, you know, many of you know, listeners know Ellie Mistall. Mm-hmm. All right. That brother is running around with a nice, glorious, right? Shiny, you know, um, beautiful. Not, it's not even just texture beautiful, which is wonderful, but it's also, it's got the right amount of gray in it. You know, it right. kind of glows and glistens. It's like, a, it's like a snow globe, right? It's wonderful, right? right? right. Uh, I try to do the same thing. I look up daily. I try to be like him. Uh, I'm gonna have to, that's one thing I can't, I, I run around here, look like heat miser. Uh, for a year and a half. Um, and, and apparently there's too much Indian in my family. Um, and, and so, uh, I can't, I can't, so everybody black ain't gonna be able to grow afro. We, even though the crown axe has been grown afro, uh, you wanna check with your, your, your hair pH, whatever it is, uh, cause you might be looking ridiculous like me. Uh, don't do that. And, and this is just a special message, Jay-Z. Uh, <laughs> just saying, not everybody's head is made for it. And it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Just what I gotta tell you, you know, maybe the thing I admire most about Jay Z is um, I want to get to the point where I get rich enough to go on TV and don't give a damn how my hair looks. <laughs> I ain't never seen Jay Z with a hair comb yet. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't even recognize him because I'm so used to the album covers. He's clean cut with the diamonds in his ear, and now all of a sudden it was like, oh, who's that? With Beyonce. Uh, when he passed um, like five hundred million, he was like, "You know what? I ain't. I ain't worried. I ain't got worried about what you I bet his ankles all ashy. And JD don't give a damn. And so, um, you know, but, but speaking speaking of which, um, we got before we go, Jesse, to talk a lot about politics. I don't want to spend a lot of time. I want to get back to it because one thing we got to do is let's do it for 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 prostate, prost- anyway for the future. Let's make our predictions in February of the election year, nine months ahead. Who's going to take home the Democratic nomination, and are they going to win the presidency? Um, I'm I'm going with Bernie Sanders. I, I, even though I'm a Elizabeth Warren supporter, I think Bernie Sanders has the momentum to do. Okay. Uh, so he will win the primary. Uh, Tom Perez will torpedo it. And, uh, and, uh, I think as far as the general election, I mean, that hasn't changed. I think Trump has this in the bag. <laughs> I'm hoping that Bernie can, uh, generate enough voting, uh, votership to come out to the ballots and, and do something. But these Trump people, you know, in North Carolina, we had an issue with actual Confederates who brought the Confederate flag 
hurl racial epithets at people in Chatham County, just less than an hour and a half away from where I am uh, in Chatham County at the vote at the poll. Right. They had huge Confederate flags, and as people went in, they called you all kinds of things under the sun except a child of God. And folks actually felt intimidated about going in and voting. And so there was a big push by people such as myself who were like, no, you're going to get back in your car. You're going to go back out there and vote. You better not let these people run you off. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, I think that, you know, we're seeing with Trump kind of a return to how status quo used to be prior to Obama. And I think Obama, we got uh, we we thought things were a lot better in America than we now know they are. It worked um, out, but, right? You know, yeah, but, you know, when I get back to my fear of Bloomberg versus Trump, one of the things that is refreshing for me is understanding that up until recently, all the candidates were racist, right? <laughs> it's just a status quo. It's a return. It's a reminder. It doesn't have to stop you from doing what you're going to do. Uh, but my prediction is a... a Trump victory, and this time it's permanent. So. <laughs> you know, I, I, I will. I got some agreements and disagreements. So here's my theory: is is that no way will the Dems they will find some way. All right, it might not be getting uh, Will Smith or Brad Pitt to take the nomination. Here's what I think they're going to come out with: Biden. And here's how you get it to Biden is that basically it's split five ways. Who knows who has the most votes because the superdelegates, et cetera. They get in a room and Biden becomes this sort of party consensus choice because he's in the middle of everybody. And here's the thing that's weird is Biden was the most conservative candidate until a week ago. And now that Bloomberg's in, I'm looking at Biden myself like, damn, he's looking good. Look at those teeth. Look at, look at Biden. Look at him. That Botox, you looking good. Biden, going on in there. I hated Biden until last week. I'm looking at Biden like, yeah, I can go Biden. And I think this is all along. They're going to take Bloomberg's money. <laughs> They're going to get the, the, the establishment candidate they wanted. All right? Okay. You're right. He's going to get blown out by Trump. Right. And we will have our last president of the United States and first king. Um, but, but, but I, 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 I'm going with Biden for the nomination and in a broker convention because he's the only one that basically everybody, nobody hate enough. Cause here's part of Bernie's problem. Not only is Bernie, I think personally kind of difficult to deal with. He's right. So I get why you're difficult. I'm, I'm difficult. I'm right too. But also because have you noticed this? Uh, nobody likes Bernie supporters. Right, the Bernie Bros. Bernie Bros. and 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 and, and uh, well, I don't know what you want to call the the the, the women. I, I thought anyway. I'm not gonna say what I thought. They rhyme, but but but, but the Bernie <laughs> people. Um, uh, let me tell you something. If you're a Bernie person, because I'm rooting for Bernie. Uh, so here's what you need to do: if you're a Bernie person, you need to shut the hell up. All right, all the time. All right, because you got people now who are liberals a day is long, saying, you know what, I'll, I'll vote for Elizabeth Warren, but not Bernie. Now, how is that possible? I don't understand it. Because they mad at Bernie's people, right? Because you done cursed out somebody because they said Bernie, right, you know, hair looked bad. And you went all in on, 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 on you know, on a hair argument. Because nobody's right. arguing about Bernie's policies. How could you? They're the same as Elizabeth's, right? <laughs> They're the same, right? But, but Bernie people are they're a little sensitive sometimes. And y'all need to just step. Remember when Elizabeth said that he might have said that she couldn't win as a woman, which I'm sure he did because it's true. 
And and then you know they you know it's like they were all like you know offended. You you said it like uh, you know when Hillary said but nobody liked Bernie, which I'm sure is true. Bernie should have taken that as a matter of pride. Yeah, you're damn right. They don't like me because I ain't letting them get away with their you know their nonsense. Right. Right. But instead, you know, so Bernie people, if you're a Bernie person, please just shut up for nine months. That's all you need to do is for the next nine months, shut up. We get you can get your man in. And see, this is the thing. Like, <laughs> I think people aren't looking at the the uh, characters bringing together. Right. So if Hillary Clinton says, well, people don't like me, what people don't like them? The people in Washington that we're trying there to get rid of. Right. right. <laughs> so, yeah. I, you know, a lot of, and a lot of people who aren't in Washington love Bernie. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think there's that issue, you know, in and of itself. Um, I, I also think that when it comes to just politics in general, it seems like we have gotten so far off the pill from what we are supposed to be doing as an electorate. Uh, as far as setting up what a platform is going to be, understanding that it's not just a president that we need to be voting for. Right. Uh, the president's going to need some congressional support. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, people love, you know, even with, uh, with Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, they love to say, oh, Congress will never do that. And I'm like, well, you are aware that, you know, your Congress people are on the ballot this year. You can change that. Uh, and I also don't want people to forget about uh, local elections because you'd be surprised. I think, you know, just the, the folks who are running locally for mayor, for city council, uh, for judges, uh, like when you don't vote for people who don't believe in voting, if you stay home, all of those decisions get made whether you participate or not. So you would much rather have your input, even if it's a losing effort, you would much rather have your input than to not do it and get stopped and frisked by Bloomberg, get convicted by the judge that you didn't vote for, right. uh, get beat up on by the CEOs and the police that you didn't, Are you right? that you didn't support, have a mayor that could care less about what you're saying because he's supporting Bloomberg too. Uh, and so it, it's, it helps. It's a ripple effect for the community when you don't get involved. No, no, you, you're absolutely right. I mean, the most important elections are the local ones. I have to admit, though, I'm guilty of this as well. I've been following, you know, the Democratic primary. You asked me my mayor, my mayor's name. Here's why I can remember it, because it's Smith. All right? <laughs> I think that's okay. right. I think that's, <laughs> that's a shame. All right? You know, and most of us are like that, right? You remember, you know, all the 60s Democratic nominees, but ask them who your con- who's your local congressman, Jesse? Uh, David Price. And, well, we got right. gerrymandered, so it's not. David Price anymore is actually <laughs> Butterfield. That's but, easy. Uh, yeah, you know. Uh, but most yeah. people don't. It's like, you know, those are, like you said, you know, the local police chief, right? You know, the local, you know, the, the, the local comptroller all right, is more important. And if you go out and vote in that, because here's the big thing, by the way, we should remind people of this. Uh, 2020 is important. If any number that ends with a zero is important. Uh, this is the year that they do all the redistricting. Right. And what they will do, and they, well, I'm sorry, they won't do it this year. They'll do it next year after the, or later this year after the election. Mm-hmm. So if your house or Senate happens to be all, uh, red, uh, your lines are going to look weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to do some German, like, like Jesse, he only voted the same person with the person across the street from him, vote three, 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 three districts over. <laughs> right. right? They got your stuff literally, right, looking like a twister board, right, because <laughs> they're trying to maximize the seats they can get. There was a case actually about North Carolina and Supreme Court yes. last year, right? Yes. Um, yeah, and, with surgical precision. <laughs> there you go, right? And by the way, the, and the court said, hey, you know what? It, it, we, our name is Bennett. We ain't in it. 
Yep. You know, that, that's your fault. And so, you know, we got to get out there and that's the important thing. We got to, we, we got to maybe remind people, even if you don't want to vote for president, if it comes to Bloomberg and, and, and Trump, and you don't want to write down either one, you got to go for the local. Absolutely. Have to go for local. And just so you all know, uh, the judges who decided that it was gerrymandering with surgical precision, but they weren't going to be involved in it, uh, appointed by Trump. So <laughs> very important to understand the ramifications of your vote. Oh, <laughs> you know, I, I've been keeping one thing. Oh, you know what? We will talk about this. We'll talk about this next week. Uh, hopefully Bloomberg will be out by then. Things happen fast. Um, <laughs> but we'll see you next time, people. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.